You are listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, I'm Nick Corbin. And I'm Claire Perini. And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast. Friends, today we're uh, taking a dive into the history of Christianity and particularly the history of Christianity in South Asia. And we're doing that with Dr. Prabho Mahindakula Syria, who uh, is a Regent grad and is originally from Sri Lanka. And he's spent many years at the Colombo Theological Seminary, where he's held a variety of faculty and staff roles. And he served as a deputy principal and head of publishing, as well as had extensive teaching responsibilities. And we had conversations with him around um, how do we tell the story of Christianity and how do we understand the missionary movements and the impact of imperialism on understandings of Christianity in South Asia in particular, but then also specifically in Sri Lanka. Yeah, Prabhu was uh, incredible. He has such an excitement for history and the history of Christianity, specifically in in South Asia and his context in Sri Lanka. And it was beautiful to have him share um, that history and how the gospel of Jesus has gone forth um, and how at times it's in in conflict with the powers and with uh, culture and how at times it actually affirms culture and, and even family upbringing. And so... Um, he talked about how his students, Buddhists and Hindu and and different Muslims he's interacted with have uh, have come to faith and found found it challenging at times and how he's had to walk with him through that and uh, and and teach them. So it was wonderful to have Prabhu share with us. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's been connected to Regent as well through. Ta- courses with Diane Stinton as well and he is coming to teach a his- the history of Christianity at Regent this fall. So we're enjo- we hope you enjoy our conversation with Dr. Prabhu Mahindakul Syria. Prabhu, welcome to the Regent College podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's really amazing to be here uh, face-to-face with the two of you. <laughs> We're excited um, to have you too. Yeah. I've been a huge fan of the podcasts. Uh, I started listening uh, during the pandemic, and I think I probably have listened to all of them. Well, you wow. might be the only person who's listened to all of them, maybe other than my brother. Yeah. My brother is maybe the only other person who's listened to all of them. <laughs> and, and, and they've been so educational for one thing, but also um, give, gives a lot of hope mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, when you ex- explore all these sometimes controversial mm, um, yeah. uh, topics uh, where everybody's all, you know, very confrontational about. And, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the podcast really break it down and make it accessible. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, g- gives people a lot of hope about what the gospel offers and yeah. where, how it leads us forward. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So good. Thanks for listening all this time. Now, thanks for being on it with us. Looking forward to our conversation. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your sort of your journey? How did you become interested in history, but maybe your connection to Regent as well as a Regent alum? Tell us a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a lovely Anglican home. I was the only child. Um, <clears throat> and my parents have always been very affirming of my interest in theology and, and uh, Christian studies. So when it really came time for me to choose what I would do um, um, after my uh, professional training, 
which was my first degree. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what was that? What was your first degree? Uh, I studied marketing. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and when I first applied to Regent, I was rejected because they didn't know what the Chartered Institute of Marketing was. So <laughs> I had to write to them and have them explain to Regent that they're a you know a um, a, a professional qualification and right. so on. Um, but my parents uh, were so supportive of my decision to come to Regent that they actually sold their house oh, and wow. gave me part of the proceeds to to uh, travel wow. to Canada and, and pay for my tuition and so on. They were that supportive. Wow, yeah. So, yeah, I've been really blessed uh, to to be part of Regent. Yeah, yeah. And then what about your interest in, in history and in the history of Christianity? Where did that – so from a marketing <coughs> – background where like have you always been thinking about the history of christianity or when did that start or how did that start well it started very early it started in in school with mm. uh, my classmates who were mostly buddhists and 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 muslims uh you know making me answer questions about not just christian not just about the bible uh, uh, and and uh, uh, the history of the Bible, but also his, the history of Christianity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, like in many parts of Asia, Christianity arrived in Sri Lanka mm. uh, as a colonial religion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, to be a real Sri Lankan or a real Sinhalese or a real Tamil uh, meant that you had to be a Buddhist or a Hindu. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was what being authentic was about to mm-hmm. be a Christian was somehow suspect. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I had to do a lot of digging on my own mm-hmm. uh, to discover what the real Christian story was mm-hmm. in in South Asia and in Sri Lanka in particular. And the things that I found out were uh, very contrary to the you know popular story mm-hmm. that we had been told in school and in in in, in the educational system. Uh, and uh, it encouraged me to make uh, uh, something of a academic uh, career oh, out of. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, that is what uh, <clears throat> actually initially sparked my mm-hmm. interest in 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 exploring the history of Christianity mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that part of the oh, world. So cool. Was that was that kind of a, just a personal journey for you, or did you actually take? take classes like was that part of that going to regent or or what what was that journey like for you was that in the very beginning stages of your faith or uh, yes so <clears throat> my uh, i i really came to faith uh, in in a very conscious way when i was about 7 years old mm-hmm. uh, when my grand aunt um, you know um, sat me down uh, in her bedroom and 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 uh, explained to me that uh, as a lovely anglican boy as i might be <laughs> uh, i have to have a personal relationship with jesus mm-hmm. uh, and and that uh, was the beginning of my christian journey but <clears throat> I think what uh, um, really helped me to get to grips with um, um, l- studying Christian history in a very disciplined way uh, was taking courses here at Region. Uh, because uh, especially regarding the evangelical movement, mm. um, there were so many interesting sources uh, that uh, <clears throat> I was led to through uh, the teaching uh, of uh, Professor Don Lewis um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to realize that evangelicalism, uh, starting with the Wesleys and so on, 
had not only transformed British society, mm-hmm. uh, but also had extended outwards with the missionary movement mm-hmm. and and transformed the cultures and societies in India and mm. in Sri Lanka and many parts of Africa and mm-hmm. so on wow. uh, in very significant ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I learned really more about the history of Christianity uh, while I was here studying mm. at Regent oh, in Canada so than I had ever learned in, right. in Sri Lanka before. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. And so was it was it because of your understanding of kind of all your your first instinct that that Christianity was perhaps an you know a western religion that sort of caused you to think no let me let me dig deeper into the kind of yeah. the history of Christianity in South Asia was that was that sort of part of it or was it I don't know tell us more about mhm yeah well certainly uh, it is a fact uh, mm-hmm. that Christianity um in its uh, roman catholic and protestant forms arrived in in south asia uh, through uh, the imperial endeavors of mm-hmm. of the portuguese and the dutch and the british um <clears throat> but what i thought uh, was a very uh, comfortable um cooperation between the between the missionaries uh, of those denominations and uh, the those colonial powers um which is indeed the trope that is mm-hmm. that is uh, perpetuated uh, in in post colonial studies and so on that uh, christian missions and uh, western imperialism were you know hand in glove mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that narrative broke down mm-hmm. uh, because uh, people talk about imperialism as though it is a purely western phenomenon <laughs> whereas there were many cultures in mm. in asia that had empires i mean right empire became a bad word and and a bad idea uh, only after the second world war with with uh, decolonization mm-hmm. uh, and also with the um, cold war i suppose but uh, before that you know either you had your own empire or you belonged to somebody else's empire right. it is uh, very rarely that people you know a nation didn't belong to some empire, empire or, mm-hmm. or eclipsed in some way by an empire so it was just a thing it it was just mm. something that that existed uh, around the world uh, but how you conducted your empire and how you treated indigenous mm. indigenous people now that was an interesting uh, topic mm. to explore hmm. because that varied very widely right and something that i learned very quickly was that there was a conflict of interest between protestant missionary organizations in particular in some roman catholic denominations too but uh in 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 many cases uh, protestant missionaries uh, were in conflict with or in tension with uh, their secular colonial administrators mm. um uh we see that in india with the um East India Company <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, refusing to admit uh, missionaries until 1813 when yeah. their charter was renewed uh, they didn't want missionaries to come into their territories because they knew they would upset the local people and you know question their uh, religious sensibilities and so on so you're um, saying the, the the missionary organizations sending the missionaries didn't want them to to actually go into those those areas so so uh, the british empire grew uh in bits and pieces uh, uh and one of the main expansions of british rule in south asia happened through 
the British East India Company. So mm-hmm. it was this is a private company right. uh, which was chartered mm-hmm. to you know conduct business uh, uh, on behalf of the British Crown, but they were they were not. Um, they, they were not uh, representatives of, of right. Britain, of, mm-hmm. of the British uh, government. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had the right to exclude missionaries if they wanted to, and mm. they did that for the longest time. Mm. Uh, but it was due to people like Wilberforce and so on who um, introduced what was called a pious clause in the, in the renewing of the mm-hmm. uh, East India Charter. Uh, that allowed missionaries to come in. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. Mm-hmm. And there were many examples of, of tensions of that sort, uh, even before uh, with the uh, Portuguese missions, uh, St. Francis Xavier, uh, who was a disciple of Ignatius Loyola and the founding, one of the founding members of the Jesuits, was a pioneer missionary in South Asia. Right. Uh, and he had a lot of conflicts with the Portuguese governments. He even mm-hmm. threatened the governor of Goa with, with hell because, uh, mm. because he was uh, mistreating the local people and being such a bad witness to the gospel. He was, wow. mm. you know, he was say Saint Francis Xavier uh, accused the, the Portuguese of robbing the natives and enriching their coffers uh, while they contributed nothing to missions and the saving right. of their souls. So yeah. mm-hmm. there were tremendous conflicts of that kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So would you, I mean, the kind of broad overarching question is Christianity in Asia, would you say that's the differing factor between say maybe more Western nations or Europe was that there was a lot more conflict coming in for, with it, with the gospel, or is there that's more similar? What would you say, I guess, in uh, in the perspective of like following Jesus for Christians, that the differing factor? That I know that's a really broad question, mm-hmm. um, but do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I can certainly speak for South Asia uh, because that's the sphere I've studied most. And if you take uh, India or Sri Lanka uh, or Pakistan or Afghanistan or Burma, um, or Myanmar, as they call it now. Um, the, the prominent feature is that uh, Christianity comes into parts of the world where an indigenous religion has, has formed a very strong national identity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so to be a member of that community meant that you belong to both an ethnic group uh, but also uh, a religious uh, uh, group, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and often these two things went in, yeah. in together. Yeah. Christianity comes and starts reaching out to everybody mm. <laughs> and blurring these dividing lines that have been maintained very carefully, mm. very diplomatically mm. sometimes, um, uh, and and it messes the whole demography. Mm. So now you have churches where there are former the Tamil Hindus attending and former Sinhalese Buddhists attending and they're forming a new identity. Uh, And like, where do these people belong? To whom are they loyal? You know, how Mm. can they be held accountable to the traditional rulers of of the land? So these kinds of uh, new problems emerge with Christian missions. Uh, and uh, they're obviously you know, problematic to uh, the members of the churches and 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 these new yeah. Christian communities themselves, uh, because uh, they begin to question, you know, their own uh, heritage, 
uh, how much do we take from from our previous uh, religious teachings mm. and traditions mm-hmm. uh, what is our culture do we completely westernize mm. do we become european mm. <laughs> uh, or do we remain loyal in some way to our old patrimony Uh, yeah. while professing uh, loyalty right. to Christ. Mm. Uh, mm. So uh, the missionaries have to deal with these problems. The indigenous right. Christians have to deal with these problems. And, yeah. and the state that is around them right. has yeah. to deal with these problems yeah. too. Yeah. So, yeah. And it really is a, it's a bit of a crisis of the, their identity. It's like, yeah. to whom do mm-hmm. I belong? You know, in this in this new, th- if, if religion and ethnicity or kind of, or nationalism and, and religion are all, kind of linked, then you've got this new thing that just, yeah, as you say, it disrupts everything. So yes, it's like, oh, it's where's my, disruptive. yeah, mm-hmm. what, who am I That's right. and how do I identify myself? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you sort of alluded to the sort of the evangelical kind of movement, starting with the Wesleys and so on and the impact of that. But I wonder why is it, why do you sense it's challenging to sort of disconnect evangelical Christianity from Western imperialism for for Hindu and Islamic and Buddhist ideologies. Why is that tension difficult for them? And yeah, do you want to sort of talk a little bit about that? Why are those things? Why are those things kind of combine for those different ideologies? Well, <clears throat> I mean, again, if you look at South Asia, <clears throat> and I'm sure it's 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 the same in in other parts of the world that were colonized. Um, Many of the earliest missionaries who came in with the Catholic orders uh, and even with the Dutch, uh, these were state-sponsored missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a direct connection uh, with the with the secular power. But when it comes to the evangelical missions, uh, um, or if I would say more broadly, the Protestant missions, um, uh, uh, apart from the ones that were Um, sponsored by the church, the mm. Baptist mission, for example, or the or the Wesleyan mission, or uh, the CMS, the Church Missionary Society, mm-hmm. coming from lay people within the Anglican Church, they were not controlled by the state. They were right. independent, voluntary mm-hmm. missionary movements. Uh, they um, were sponsored by. Uh, largely um, lay contributors mm-hmm. uh, from their home countries. Mm, right. um, so the state couldn't quite dictate to them <laughs> where they would go or what mm. they would do. Of course, there were negotiations of this kind on the ground. But uh, evangelical missions had far more independence mm. uh, about mm-hmm. whom they would go to, which parts of a, of a country they would right. go to, and what kind of work they would do. Right. So uh, there was that much of independence uh, right. between the state and and the uh-huh. and, and missions. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So would would you say though that that there still is there still is that tension that some some of these uh, different religious groups, Islamic, Hindu, Buddhist have difficulty with Christianity because it's still kind of connected to to imperialism or would you say modern day that's not as much an issue well it's evolved into different <laughs> forms yeah. um as you know uh, india began as a secular state the indian constitution uh which was uh, the architect of which was actually a um a dalit buddhist mm. um and uh, he wanted india to become a secular state and the f- original founders of India, Mahatma Gandhi, Jawaharlal Nehru, 
uh, they they were secularists. But as we know, decades later, uh, the traditionalism uh, within uh, the Indian um, uh, polity mm-hmm. uh, moved back into uh, what is known as Hindutva, um, mm. hi- uh, being Hindu. Um, so uh, they recast their their nationalism uh, oh, yeah. once again in mm. in a Hindu mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are not only against um, 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 the Muslim component within India, uh, which came with the Mughal uh, conquerors mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, who were Muslims. Uh, they enriched Indian culture, but they are still considered alien. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Taj Mahal is yeah, the first yeah. thing you think of mm-hmm, when you think of visiting yeah. India. That was a, essentially a Muslim structure. Mm-hmm. But... Um, also with Christians, um, there is a resentment about uh, colonial yeah. um, Christianity mm. uh, being an imposition, but also um, uh, in in the twentieth century or in the latter part of the twentieth century, uh, this idea of a neo-colonialism. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is a soft imperialism imposed by the West. Uh, on their former colonies, mm-hmm. uh, in order to control their, you know, in in order to control trade Tridal, and, yeah. and and international diplomacy, uh, so it's the Americans mm-hmm. uh, or the Koreans or the Singaporeans, mm-hmm. you know, who are controlling evangelical expansion right. yeah. uh, right. in uh, Australians, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> con- controlling evangelical expansion and the church planting and missionary work in, in these countries. Mm-hmm. So that is feared and that is uh, uh, highly scrutinized uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in our part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, both the backstory of mm-hmm. colonialism, but also its continuation in a, in a new form as, yeah. a, as a neo-colonialism. So, yeah. Would you say the neo-colonialism feelings are still at play? You're saying that's the latest, later 20th century, but obviously that's moving into now. So are you, is that still at play in terms of the, that, that sense of a neo-colonialism? Is that still very much alive oh, and well? In- oh, very much mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, in India, for example, um, there are laws against uh, uh, funding coming from uh, Western countries mm-hmm. for the sponsorship of church programs or to fund uh, Christian theological seminaries or um, right. um, Christian publishing or anything like that. Um, and um, just a constant scrutiny about um, what kind of connections local Christians have mm-hmm. with the outside world because Again, there is a narrative of false conversions, of forced conversions, Mm -hmm. uh, of people being induced uh, by economic means to Mm -hmm. convert. So Christian development organizations like World Vision and and, and so on have to submit a lot of their (laughs) financial information uh, just to prove that there is no great conspiracy going on. So Mm -hmm. that that is a problem. Yeah. 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 And as you as I hear you talk, Prabhu, it just it it really it it's it's a reality that I see that when the the gospel of Jesus goes forth, there's conflict and disruption mm. that happens. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's not some easy 
thing that just on, on kind of all ends too, like thinking mm. not only from the context within Asia, within India or Sri Lanka, but also the, the, where it's even coming from, like hearing that even the missionary organizations, you know, didn't want the gospel to go forth in certain areas for potential like economic gain. So there's like all these different mm-hmm. powers and principalities trying to stop the gospel from going forth. But it's really a, a beautiful reality though, is that his gospel and good news still is going forth amidst all the, the, the conflict even mm-hmm. still. It's a really amazing story because mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> uh, with all the ill effects of, of colonization, mm-hmm. uh, we mustn't forget that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there were very deep grassroots level um, social transformations mm-hmm. that took place as mm-hmm. well. Um, more in India, but also in, in places like Sri Lanka where the Buddhist influence had softened the caste distinctions mm. quite a bit. But still, um, the church, uh, particularly the Protestant churches, uh, the Roman Catholic Church tended to accommodate the caste divisions a little bit more. Uh, mm. interesting. Uh, but, uh, I mean, they would build churches side by side for, <laughs> for one caste and then for yeah. the other caste oh. because they... Yeah. That's interesting. But, um, but the Protestant churches insisted uh, as a mark of true Christian conversion yeah. that believers would have fellowship yeah. with people from castes that they mm. used to consider below mm. them or mm-hmm. higher than them. Mm. So that really made um, even secular nationalists in, those, uh, in, in mm-hmm. our part of the world really think, what does it mean to be uh, a modern nation where some of those traditional distinctions and 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 forms of discrimination just needed to go mm-hmm. uh, wow. but on what basis mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, they actually took the christian church as a model wow. for for places where uh, different ethnic groups would come together or or castes within an ethnic group would come together mm-hmm. and form a new kind of society mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. these were uh, interesting developments that wow. took place yeah yeah could we could we zone in a little bit on sri lanka specifically and kind of have you talk a little bit more about that um was there is is it what what's distinct about sort of Sri Lankan Christianity sort of within the kind of Asian context more broadly, um, and was there sort of a similar resistance there? I mean, you you said you were an Anglican, so you know that's a it started in you know Britain, but so do, I don't know. Tell us, yeah, what's your what? Tell us about the Sri Lankan context, sort of specifically. So Christianity in Sri Lanka is unique, even within the region, mm-hmm. uh, because it was the only nation. Uh, in the Theravada Buddhist tradition, uh, the more text-based um, Buddhist tradition um, that uh, re- actually revived mm. during the time of, um, uh, of, of, uh, of this European colonization. Mm-hmm. Um, other Theravada countries like Thailand, for example, were never colonized. I mean, they, they had trade relationships with uh, the Western um, colonial powers, but it was never colonized. Mm. Uh, neither was Japan or mm-hmm. Korea. Uh, but mm-hmm. in, in, in Sri Lanka, you had a Buddhist country under colonial rule, but where the Buddhist uh, religion um, and, uh, is uh, revived. Mm. There, there's a revival of Buddhism. 
and 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 they come into conflict into full blown conflict with the protestant missionaries mm-hmm. uh, and there is this uh, constant um, um uh, discourse that takes place uh, b- between these two groups uh, very uh, text based very uh, you know art- expounding each other's scriptures text, yeah, against right. each mm-hmm. other uh and uh, uh, so th- i mean that buddhist revival uh, remains to this day mm-hmm. um in 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 sri lanka and it even um resulted in the transformation of buddhism itself into what anthropologists call a protestant buddhism so right. just like in in oh, in in europe uh, uh the, the reformers uh, reacting against right. roman catholicism right, right. Sort of recast Christianity in a in a Protestant form. Right. Mm. So with the interaction with Christian missionaries, uh, ah. Buddhist monks and and lay uh, Buddhist uh, um, practitioners recast Buddhism in 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 a in a in a, in a modern form. Mm. Uh, right. So they imitated a lot of what the missionaries did. Their manner of preaching, their manner of uh, oh. uh, publishing, their manner of um establishing uh, christian uh, manner of establishing buddhist schools wow. uh, so and, not and necessarily so belief structure but more so the expressions the, of them the mm-hmm. methods and how it was articulated and communicated that's right so oh. the institutions that mm-hmm. they created Interesting. Mm-hmm. yeah you've also uh written on and spoken on a specific part of sri lankan history um dealing with two um British humanitarian organizations uh, that sought to seek justice and political representation for their struggle and independence. Can you share a little bit about that? Why you got interested in that and then why it's important for Sri Lankan history? Mm-hmm. So uh, the my curiosity about that particular episode it actually takes place between 1915 and 1919, uh, a four-year span uh which historians refer to as the campaign for justice in britain it happened after an ethnic riot um so in 1915 this was the centenary of when the british had taken over the entire country uh and uh, uh in the on on the 100th anniversary of that uh, of being entire of the island being entirely colonized there was a riot that broke out uh of the of a certain segment of singhalese buddhists attacking a certain segment of uh of uh, south indian mu- muslims who would were coming into the country to trade mm. and the british mistook this for a general uprising and they clamped down on it really hard because this was happening during the first world war and they were suspecting german infiltration into their oh. empire and all sorts of things so they cracked down really hard and they imprisoned and started executing um an emerging class of educated buddhist uh, leaders who were part of the temperance movement that actually had been founded by christian missionaries so these um buddhist leaders were put into prison and were being shot uh, when their tamil colleagues and their uh, singhalese christian colleagues uh, tried to appeal on their behalf to the british governor but mm. they wouldn't get a hearing so what they did was they sent uh, delegates to britain to appeal directly to the secretary uh, of state for the colonies mm. uh, 
to ask for clemency, to ask for an inquiry into the real causes of, of this riot mm. uh, so that uh, these Buddhist leaders would be um, freed. But they wouldn't be listened to either. Mm. Uh, so what they did was they appealed to two Christian organizations that acted as watchdogs over human rights abuses around the empire. Oh. So this was um, actually the amalgamation of the old anti-slavery society uh, with the Aborigines Protection Society. Um, so that amalgamation happened in uh, 19 um, they amalgamated they amalgamated in 1909 and there was a second organization that looked at the the proliferation uh, the proliferation of um, the liquor trade uh, particularly in Africa mm. uh, because in Africa you had uh, alcohol being used as a form of currency. They would actually pay people in liquor. Uh, that, that's as bad as it mm. went. So missionaries found this a huge obstacle to both evangelization and discipleship um, because whatever they had worked hard to build in, in, in terms of uh, winning people to a new mm. way of life in Christ, uh, they were losing because mm. of, of alcohol addiction. Mm. So missionaries worked very closely with the temperance movements that were becoming quite mm. strong in within Britain uh, and formed what was called the Native Races Liquor Traffic United Committee. Whoa. <laughs> nice long name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which was formed in 1887. So these two organizations, mm. which functioned like Amnesty International does today, right. um, they had an independent channel of uh, information flowing into uh, the uh, metropolis, uh, to London through missionary networks. Mm -hmm. And uh, these two organizations spoke on behalf of the Sinhalese delegates uh, and because they had quite a number of representatives championing you know, their cause within parliament that belonged to these two organizations, mm -hmm. a great deal of awareness was raised uh, about the conditions in in Ceylon, in British Ceylon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And from 1915, we find uh, constitutional reforms being granted to uh, the uh, native representatives uh, in, in, in Ceylon, the Ceylonese, mm -hmm. uh, so that uh, it began a process which finally led to independence. Wow. So yeah. this was really the wow. beginning of yeah. the Sri Lankan independence movement. Now, this story had not, uh, you know, appeared on our school textbooks. Right. I had never right. heard of this uh, incident uh, or series of events mm -hmm. yeah. uh, until I started uh, researching on the biography uh, of one of these candidates, mm. uh, one of these delegates who went to Britain uh, and just started pulling the threads. Mm. And I discovered that there was one historian who had devoted 18 pages from his 500 you know, page <laughs> thesis to this episode. Mm. Uh, and so my thesis was like expanding that right. mm -hmm. and, and thoroughly researching. So going to Britain, looking at the correspondence that had taken place between these two societies and the Sri Lankan delegates with the colonial mm. office uh, and putting all of this correspondence together and weaving 
like a narrative about you know what took place yeah mm-hmm. so interesting <laughs> and then has and has anyone written more on it since then like is, are you like are you like the only person who's seen this connection <laughs> well i hope it starts a dialogue <laughs> i hope it starts a discussion right just to see uh for ourselves as a nation um uh, and i think god gives uh nations uh fresh beginnings yeah, and i think sri yeah. lanka is on the cusp of that with with the huge crisis that we are going through now economically with the whole economy has collapsed mm. and we're looking for a better government and mm. there's a huge upsurge of uh ordinary sri lankan citizens saying look we we really need to take more responsibility mm-hmm. and and hold our our um, um our governments to account mm. and at this moment i think it's a very crucial moment because we need to reimagine what mm. nationhood is about mm. and to look at a history that is inclusive mm-hmm. uh, where mm. uh, we find um uh, all kinds of stereotypes that need mm. to be broken down right. including the one that Uh, lumps uh, christians with the colonial powers they right. you know they, they they didn't contribute anything to mm. uh, decolonization they didn't contribute anything to nation building mm. oh yes they did right. uh, and this was one very crucial moment right. in which they did and yeah. we need wow. to tell this story yeah, yeah. well and that's that, that thing isn't it where is it uh, that that I think Sarah Williams this is where I learned this in my class with Sarah Williams that history forms identity. So it's yes. like if we're if we're going to if the, if that's the history we're telling then we yeah. then that shapes the identity that we have but if we if we reframe or reimagine or reunderstand our history how does that change our yeah our understanding as a nation mm. our understanding Absolutely. People, Absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean identities are formed by imagining oneself as not the other. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's not the only way identities mm-hmm. are formed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We we can form identities as being distinct from others but also needing others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, um um that, that this is these are all very important ways for uh for nations mm-hmm. um you know 50 years 70 years after coming out of colonialism still struggling with mm-hmm. some of these uh ancient uh, <laughs> you know dilemmas um mm. of of thinking of national enemies or ethnic enemies and what it means to constitute uh, mm-hmm. nationhood yeah mm. yeah it's sort of like what story are we a part of yeah. sort of yeah sort of peace yeah i know i know you've shared a little bit about this but just thinking about uh Sri Lankan history and the challenges they face but specifically the challenges the Christians have faced you you've kind of made an analogy with specifically in Galatians 4 um can you share a little bit about that about those that intersection and how how you see that yes so that exploration <laughs> came about uh because i was uh, teaching in the, in the seminary in colombo uh i would m- many of my students were from either hindu or buddhist backgrounds um and they would uh, constantly tell me <clears throat> uh, that uh, after their conversion they were despised by their communities their families even uh with the accusation that they had betrayed uh, their mother and father you know mm. that it, it was like you had forgotten uh, your mother and father mm. uh meaning you know their buddhist patrimony and their mm-hmm. their their, mm-hmm. their singhalese or tamil culture uh which had given them birth and now mm. you're renouncing that and moving to somebody else's family you know you're mm-hmm. defecting right right um and and then i you know was looking into the in, into the scriptures like where can i find 
a home <laughs> for right. for people who 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 uh, feel disconnected in in that way yeah yeah uh because it's a great social source of shame to be told that you have betrayed your mother and father mm-hmm. i mean uh, filial duty is a source of honor mm-hmm. uh and and to be you know denied that is 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 a great shame mm. so um i i found in in paul's analogy uh of a child who is uh, being uh, brought up under the guardianship of trustees and 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 stewards and managers mm-hmm. um uh who is probably uh unaware of mm-hmm. of who the child's real parent w- w- is or was uh and who 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 comes to that realization uh at adulthood uh when they're told what their real identity is and who their real father is and mm. what they've really inherited mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh otherwise they would be virtually slaves paul says so mm-hmm. uh, to me that gave a little window yeah. uh because it also talks about um uh, uh, before we come to christ we are under uh the um elementary principles of the world mm-hmm. and, and many of the church fathers uh latched on to that phrase <laughs> uh uh stoikeia to cosmo um in in reference to their pagan philosophies mm-hmm. from which they had inherited uh their mm-hmm. systems of thought and even their cultural identities mm-hmm. um and just like in in that jewish converts you know saw the law as their pedagogue the one who led them to christ right and uh, i said well you know if the church fathers who had uh, greek and latin uh, uh, heritage uh, could look at pagan philosophies as as mm. their um, uh, stoikeia mm-hmm. um singhalese uh, or tamil <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know background believers could make the same claim mm-hmm. about about such a rich philosophical heritage mm-hmm. from buddhism and the hindu yeah. schools uh from which they had inherited a great deal of of wonderful teachings uh, uh on ethics and 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 social um dynamics and so on mm-hmm. uh and i made that analogy uh, that you know it's like moving from a teacher to your father Mm. So uh I drew again on um uh, um a story motif in in many Buddhist ancient uh, uh, folklore um where um a, a prince mm-hmm. is sent you know to a distant kingdom mm-hmm. uh, to learn under a famous teacher a guru mm. uh, and and they treat the guru as his father Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to say his father because only boys were sent. Mm. And um mm-hmm. and 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 for all intents and purposes they they that, that was you know considered a family uh, mm-hmm. the 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 pupils and and their teacher uh, and and they grew to honor and respect the teacher as their father. But then the king would call the son back to inherit the kingdom after mm-hmm. his education. Mm. and mm. then you know the prince uh, would would inherit the kingdom and inherit uh, everything mm-hmm. that uh, that that the king uh, father uh, had had bequeathed mm-hmm. so i was saying uh, 
trying to you know draw that analogy mm-hmm. to say it's not like we are betraying our mother and father it's like we're discovering our true mother mm-hmm. and father mm-hmm. while being respectful to everything that we had been taught mm-hmm. yeah. by our teacher but our teacher is not our father right mm. did, did you find that was that was helpful for them that it was helpful mm. it it's certainly very helpful it doesn't it doesn't erase the mm. uh, the the offense of the gospel yeah. in any means right. <laughs> by any means uh, but uh, for buddhist and hindu background believers uh, for their own self understanding mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a helpful analogy to have mm-hmm. yeah. we hope you've been enjoying this wonderful conversation But Claire wanted to take a few seconds just to share some ways you could get involved more in the Regent College podcast. Totally. We at Regent, we love people being a part of the things that we're doing. And so there's a couple of different ways you can do that. If you've enjoyed this conversation or any of our other conversations, let someone know. Share it with them. Share it with a family member, with a friend, with someone who you think would appreciate this and would love to hear it. That's the first way. Mm-hmm. Second way, you could you could give us a rating or write a little uh, comment on one of the on wherever you listen to your podcast. That would be another great way. And then the final way that you could uh, participate with us is if you've enjoyed the podcast and you'd like to give a donation to Regent College, then we would warmly receive that. Yeah. You can do that by heading to rgnt.net forward slash give. And, you know, in the comment box, let them know that we sent you. Right, Nick? That's right. We do love hearing when people have appreciated the podcast. And so let you can let Nick know by sending an email to podcast at regent-college.edu. When Nick and I are having these conversations, it's sometimes hard for us to realize that actually people listen to these. And so when we get emails or we get a little note in the comment box on the donation page of our website, it just reminds us that people are actually listening and we love that. So please let us know that you're listening. Let us know if there are things that different profs that you'd like to hear from. We'd love to hear from you. So, thanks for listening. and we hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. You you sort of talked about in the history of Sri Lanka sort of sort of understanding the history differently and telling the story differently. And I wonder about us thinking about telling the story of the history of Christianity, the global history of Christianity. Um how do how do we tell that story or how does that story need to be reframed in such a way that it's not just a western imperial story. You know, and like and it's that it's an integrated story mm. of the impact of Christ and the the growth of the gospel in different places rather than a here's mm. the here's the here's the norming the norming story under which then other stories are fragmented off do you know what i mean mm-hmm. is that is that too big broader question to ask well it is a broad <laughs> question so i will give a broad yeah, answer that's right uh, indeed i mean there are so many aspects of how we study the history of christianity mm-hmm. um that need to be informed mm. uh, by uh, looking at how christianity permeated different cultures and how they interacted with uh, uh, governments mm-hmm. and, and 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 politics in, and in, in those countries too, as and, well. and, yeah. and and philosophies mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. world views mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and the important thing here is uh, to maintain that sense of um independence uh, the sense that christianity uh, and the gospel have within them uh, the power of god yeah mm-hmm. uh, that they are not dependent on right. state power right or the power that culture might favorably bestow on mm. christianity absolutely um that whatever 
um, your secular uh, or worldly um, rulers uh, dictate, uh, whether they be favorable or unfavorable, mm. whether they are persecuting you or mm. whether they are trying to kind right. of uh, shower you with their patronage. Yeah. The church needs to be independent and the church mm. needs to look to Christ as Lord mm. and always seek their path of navigation mm -hmm. uh, through all of these tensions and and temptations mm -hmm. uh, with, with, with that in mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when, I mean, the classic text is, is Jesus uh, saying, you know, render unto God what is God's and, mm -hmm. and to Caesar what is Caesar's. Um, it, it's not that we have divided mentalities and, and, and have, uh, you know, compartmentalize our lives into our civic duties and, and, and our faith uh, commitments, uh, but that we need to identify that fundamentally we are God's image bearers. Mm -hmm. um, and that when we think of our uh, commitments to the state and so on, all of that need or ethnic group or uh, our our culture our affinity group um however people might you know imagine mm. that 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 has to be done when we are christians we have to first think like christians mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um um we need to we, we need to do the work of being representatives of God's rule on earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the reason why God bestowed his image upon mm -hmm. us and, and, and created us in, in his image was to represent his rule mm -hmm. in, in creation uh, and within nations subsequently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so to always maintain um, a, a presence that is uh, a blessing mm -hmm. to the people around you, uh, mm -hmm. Jeremiah, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, pray for, 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 for the flourishing of your city and so on. Um, so to be a blessing, but also a constant critique uh, a, mm -hmm. or a constant critique, mm -hmm. uh, maintain a constant critique mm -hmm. on your mm -hmm. culture, on your politics, mm -hmm. and never ever declare absolute allegiance to anyone. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Never ever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, one of the things that I'm reminded, I think it was Andrew Walls, uh, article or book talked about the the different principles and how there are there are things that in culture that we can affirm and things in 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 culture society that we actually have to disagree with and be at odds with and so that's yeah you've kind of even painted that picture within telling the history in India and even Sri Lanka of how Christians on a lot of times the grassroots level it seemed like had to go against even your students your Buddhist and Hindu students had mm. to go against like things that their family had stood for while still honoring, respecting, being able to affirm still some of the things that actually Christ affirms, but following him ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder one more, one more question, just more even on a global broad, broad level, but is there anything right now that you are interested in as like, as a historian, obviously you're looking back at history, but mm. you, I imagine also look currently at modern day things, is there anything like happening globally right now that you're interested in um, a particular area in the globe? Well, I think um, in in the West, in in the in the North Atlantic, in in Europe and America, and and societies that are uh, connected to the West um, closely, 
Um, we are talking about the 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 rapid um, uh, emptying of 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 churches, mm-hmm. uh, the rapid uh, um, takeover of secularism. Um, but I think we also need to talk about the repaganization mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of Western culture. I mean, when I watch. Uh, uh, um, you know, when, when I notice uh, many uh, TV series about the Vikings or, you know, so on, there, there is a kind of Nietzschean uh, nostalgia mm-hmm. uh, for uh, pre-Christian, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, cultures and civilizations and even forms of ethics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so polyamory <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, how you use power and, and how you... Um, draw on ancient pagan um, um, ideologies or ancient pagan uh, mythology uh, to as 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 uh, religions as as, mm-hmm. as reviving uh, ancient religions again in a move to find authenticity mm-hmm. right. uh, uh, because uh, the way that Christianity um, uh, ha- is taught and is portrayed in in secular academia. Uh, is uh, very extremely unattractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that you want to run away from. I mean, we see this right now in, in Canada. And mm. So the thing that really uh, holds Christianity out as, as uh, forever a, a, an attractive alternative uh, is, is that power uh, that we have from Christ uh, the mind of Christ to um, to hold uh, closely the things that we have been entrusted uh, in 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 Christian teaching mm-hmm. and critique everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, John mm-hmm. Stott talks talks about being a being a, a conservative radical that you mm-hmm. conserve uh, uh, the core of of the great heritage that mm-hmm. we have in in the Christian faith, and that heritage is built not only from uh, the Latin West, but from the Greek East and mm. the Syriac East and the mm-hmm. uh, and the Ge'ez, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Coptic Church and the the Ethiopian Church and everywhere where Christianity has expanded, all of that is the great tradition, not mm. not not just mm-hmm. the Western right. Church Fathers. Uh, but to hold that uh, and, and to keep going back to that, to drawing on that, and of course the 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 Bible is the center of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to be able to critique ourselves and see ourselves and watch ourselves in that mirror, mm. uh, b- because self critique is also important. Mm-hmm. So right. with with all the antagonism against uh, you know residential schools and all of this, the Pope making a heartfelt apology has been a tremendous Christian witness. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than a, to anyone else, to the the indigenous people of of, of Canada, mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. m- many from that community are Christians too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we we need to learn uh, that that we uh, will we are not so arrogant mm-hmm. uh, that we will hold our history. Uh, or will be held by our history to ransom. Mm-hmm. That we will not be held hostage by our by, by our mistakes, mm. but that Jesus gives us the humility 
to apologize, yeah. to ask for forgiveness, to mm-hmm. say that we were wrong, that we betrayed him more than anyone else mm-hmm. yeah. in the wrongs that we have done. Mm. So I think for any kind of hope or revival uh, that uh, Christian uh, that Christians in the West pray for, uh, for the revival of Christianity in the West, I think that is crucial to have mm-hmm. that self-critical understanding of our history, to know that Uh, we are a global Christian community to hold on to that global identity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and be willing to ask for forgiveness. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, we, I don't see that happening in any other religious tradition, mm-hmm. to be honest. Right. Wow. Um, uh, people preserve and justify uh, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's that's something quite unique about Christianity. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Probably that feels like a great place to to end. Except we should we should also ask, what are you most looking forward to about teaching in the fall? Well, I look forward to to <laughs> meeting all these wonderful students uh, who uh, <clears throat> are brave enough to 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 take uh, uh, this course. We're changing our textbook. Um, mm-hmm. We're we're going to use a textbook that uh, talks about. Uh, the history of Christianity uh, as being a global movement from the earliest times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's very Which important book to Which hold. Which book is it? This is uh, the textbook um, that follows the tradition set by Andrew Walls and mm-hmm. uh, Lamin Sane uh, of looking at a global Christianity mm-hmm. uh, as a multi-centered movement. Right. Uh, it's a textbook written by uh, Scott Sandquist and Dale Irwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's called a history of uh, the world christian movement mm-hmm. cool uh so that uh, i i think it's important to um understand that uh, uh, western christianity is unique in that it's only uh, in in western christianity that we have an entire continent becoming a laboratory for mm. for for the christian tradition mm. um Uh, and and that's a very important legacy mm-hmm. uh, and by no means uh, minimizing that to also look at uh, non-western christian mm-hmm. traditions mm-hmm. Uh, and and for christians to understand uh, that we are inheritors of all of that right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. beautiful bravo it's been great to be with you thanks so much for thanks for your time and thanks for helping us understand Yeah, all the things that you've been researching over these yeah. many years and for bringing your own these your own discoveries about things that t- retelling this, the history of Sri Lanka. Oh my yeah. goodness. Um no, but it's been great to have you so thanks for your time. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for listening to the Regent College podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is rgnt.net.